Okay, that was interesting. That was a delayed view for me. You guys have been on for 27 seconds, and I've been on for five. So that is awesome start. Welcome to the Straight Red Card. We have a guest today who's going to go through all your questions and comments and all that jazz with us. And we have some topics to take on. It is the uh, the awesome Yank Report uh, creator, the guy who does some amazing interviews. And I actually said the other day, man, Sam Stokes really squeezed a lot out of Jimmy Conrad that we did not squeeze out of Jimmy Conrad. But, you know... <laughs> I love, I, love, I love Jimmy's comment when he was like, when you had mentioned uh, that he's really straddling the fence there, and he goes, yeah, I'm all lubed up for that. Yeah, that was very early on, too. It's <laughs> like the first thing he said. Speaking of lubed up, um, all of us are, I believe, tonight, or we are looping it up. No, okay, this that's Scott. That went all wrong. That went all wrong. That took a bad turn right away. Derek and I are in different rooms despite the lighting situation. Yeah, what is it about me being present on a live stream that makes people talk about lube? I don't understand <laughs> where that's coming from, but it's the good look, Sam. It's it's the candles you have lit in the background. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. It's it's all the, that mood, the mood maker. Mm -hmm. By the way, did anybody catch the U.S. women's game where we won against <laughs> New Zealand and every single goal was an own goal by New Zealand? By the same line. person. It was by the same person. Three <laughs> own goals. She had a hat trick. It's got to be the all-time worst absolute day for a, a defender ever I've ever watched. Worst, the worst. <laughs> yeah, or the so, best. I mean, she made she made history at this point. People, well, people who watch the game will always remember it. Yeah. Um, also, I guess we also and we should all comment about this. We found out that Geo's injury is really just sort of a sit him for a couple weeks injury, so it's not as serious as it looked like well, when he was carried off the field crying. But so I, I, I think what it is, is they, they predicted this before he went out and played because they said he was going to be gone for like two weeks. He had an illness for two weeks. Yeah. And now he's really going to be gone for two weeks. I mean, well, that's if you guess, <laughs> if you remember whenever he initially got that injury, it was not supposed to be very long. It got pushed back and back and back and back and back. So that's kind of my fear is like, you never know with these, with these types of injuries, how long it's actually going to be. So hopefully it is two weeks, and hopefully he's repaired and, and good to go for the rest of the season. But, uh, yeah, that's that was scary, man. I saw, uh, I saw a World Cup qualifying mm -hmm. flash before my eyes whenever he was coming off the field. I don't know if you – it's a debate for me right now. Do you bring him to the March window at this no. point? No. I just – I. It, Makes me nervous. I, well, I guess, I guess we have a month until then. So yeah, who the fuck knows, that's the thing. Know? All right. Well, yeah. If I he's guess good to go. I mean, yeah. he's he's an impact player. He's mm -hmm. he's a big deal, and he's the type of player that's a big enough deal that even if he's only available for you know a half hour in that last game against Costa Rica, bring him on for that half hour in that last game against Costa Rica because we might need him to do something special, and he's capable. <laughs> to your Cajun accent, <laughs> he's capable of doing something special in that last thirty minutes. So, if if he's available, if he can, if he's healthy, if he can do it, I'm, I say bring him. Uh, yeah, I I mean you're right. Even if he's just a super sub mm -hmm. for a few, couple games or something like that, because he's just too damn good. Yeah. Um. I mean, you it, saw in that game that uh that where he got injured in. I mean, he had that half volley that was. Almost, <laughs> he, yeah. he, he fought for that half volley. 
Boy, yeah. Against I mean, his he, own teammate. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think it was like Wonder Twin Powers activate and form a foot and almost scored. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I actually think Reyna got 90% of that kick. I think the other guy just I think, I think he kicked Reyna's foot, add a little more power to it. So if Reyna comes and what? he makes the the team – that's disgusting, Brett. All right. <laughs> you said um, it, not me, okay? <laughs> all right. So, Raina makes the next window. Way is healthy. Polisic's healthy. Where in the hell are you going to play Raina? Because I very much doubt Greg's going to play him in the midfield. What do you think, Sam? Uh, I think you have an opportunity to rotate, man. I think that's the beauty of having such a quality side. Um, I, I don't know that we have to think in terms of a best 11, uh, especially whenever you consider the next window and like the opposition uh, going into that first game against Mexico. I mean, if you can get a steal a point in Azteca, uh, that just makes the rest of the window so much easier. If you can win in Azteca, I mean, that just changes the complexion of everything. And if you consider how the U.S. has played Mexico, especially in that last last World Cup qualifier, uh, I think that we match up very well against them. And I think we have every opportunity to go into the Azteca and get three points or at mm -hmm. least one point. So you have a situation where you can play one of Wea or Wea, Pulisic, Reina, and sit one and then have another two come in for that uh, – for that all important Panama game. I, I think that that's, that's the kind of uh, luxury that you have whenever you have quality players, like, like this roster does whenever everyone is healthy and available. Mm -hmm. Could you play him as a false nine? You could. I, I think Gio Reyna is a good enough player where you can play him as the left wing, the false nine, the right wing, the striker and eight. I mean, he can, he can play a lot of positions. Where is he most effective? I think is a different conversation. And yes, for me, because, I, yeah. I, I, would, I would say instead of a false nine, let's hope that never comes about. That would be more of a more of a ten. Let's let, let's let McKinney and Adams run the midfield. Let's we don't let, play a ten, Brad. I know that, but we're talking about playing him in the midfield. We're talking about playing him as a false nine. Why not play him as a ten? I think. Greg, we know Greg's system is is pretty rigid, and I don't think that Greg is going to change his system much at all between now and the next World Cup qualifiers. Uh, and with that in mind, I think the positions on the field where we want Reyna to be in, uh, he's going to find most often as one of those half space winger players. the The position that Tim Way has been playing, the position that um, that Christian Pulisic's been pay, playing, I think that's where you get him in that space on the field where, uh, you know, in the buildup, he can get the ball and turn and run at the back line. And when we're, whenever we're in possession, he can receive the ball with his back to the goal uh, in front of the box and, and play nice passes and maybe get some shots off, stuff like that. I think that's, that's ultimately the best spot for him. I, I think if you play him as an eight in Greg's system right now, I think he has to do a lot of uh, a work. defensive work. Right. I think that takes away – you know, so I, you, I always find within within Berhalter's eights, there's always a more advanced eight. Yeah. There's always a more box to box eight. So McKinney generally plays that box to box eight, and then Musa plays more of that advanced state up yeah. until recently, of course. Right. So why not? Why not? You could you could say if Reina played in the eight, he could play as the, the more advanced eight because I mean, even in that even in that thirty minutes that he had for Dortmund, I mean, he was back at the eighteen pulling some defensive duties. I mean, who's back there? It's just 
Well, you're, you're doing two things there. First of all, you're asking Weston McKinney to kind of rein himself in, which is not really who Weston McKinney's ever been. Uh, he's never been effective at that. He's always been at his best whenever he's free. And the second yeah. thing is, I mean, look at what Weston McKinney's doing whenever he's the free runner coming into the box late. I mean, yeah. he is so lethal in that position. I don't think that we want him doing what Moose has been doing, which is like covering for fullbacks who are attacking whenever we're in that um, that final third. I don't think that we want Reyna doing that. I don't think we want Weston doing that. I think we want both of them involved in the attack, and, and I don't think you can do that if they're both playing eight the way that we're doing it right now. Well, I, I only think Moose has been covering for the fullbacks this last window. Prior to that, he was he played further ahead. He did and have a little Mc, more freedom, Mc, but McKinney's I, McKinney had the freedom of playing the box to box, so he came back on the defense when needed. But he played in the attack just as much, and he always played right next to. It was almost like a, a uh, an inverted triangle with just the six and the two top eights on top, but then one played more box to box, and one played just more advanced. I mean, this is getting into the weeds of tact- <laughs> tactics, right? But yeah. Brett is what we right. Do. That's what we do in the last game. We saw actually McKinney behind the fullback quite a bit, and then on the other side, I mean. In the last game, Musa played. We saw him behind the fullback on yeah, the yeah. They actually switched sides in yeah. the, um, in the which game was it? The Canada game. Uh, El Salvador I, too. I think in in the the last window prior to that, in the uh, in the window where we played Mexico and where we played Jamaica. I mean, specifically on those sequences where um, even the window before that, where we played Costa Rica. Those sequences where Weya and Des were pushed very high up the field and were in the opposition box. Mm-hmm. Um, the sequence where Weya actually put in that cross for Polistic's goal. In both those sequences, Weya and Des were very advanced and Musa was covering for him. Uh, and we saw that in Costa Rica as well. And that goal that uh, that Des scored where he was on the top of the box and he hit that shot in with his left foot, mm. uh, Weya was covering for him there. That's like a pivotal part of the system. If you want Des to get advanced and into the attack, and especially if you wanted to come into that channel, uh, which we saw a lot where Des would come into the channel and Weya would push out wider. Um, it, we saw that happen over and over again. Musa was covering for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's not... I don't want Gio Reyna to uh, remove himself from the attack so that Serginho Des can get forward. And uh, that, but yeah, you're right. We're getting super well, into the weeds. Well, but, but that's yeah, why right. he's going to end up playing winger. I yeah. mean, if he plays for Greg. I think so right now. You look, you look at the system Red Bull plays, uh, Salzburg plays with Aronson, and you're like, wow, Aronson can really shine in a 4-3-1-2, all right, where he's behind the two strikers. Two and, strikers? That's that's unheard of, Derek. Don't talk about that around here. Well, and the thing is, those two strikers go wide as well and suck mm-hmm. in when appropriate, right? So it's a whole mm-hmm. system where, yeah, their wingers slap their wingers slash tens, dual tens, and we don't we don't do that. That would mm-hmm. be you know that would be maybe too much for Greg to handle. Well, and so. and I will say we're gonna we're gonna branch into this in a, in a little bit, but they t- uh, but in the uh, Bobby Warsaw uh, conversation, Greg talked about Ferreira's play as as being required to come back into the, in, uh, a little further back than the other two in the the attacking trio. So I mean he's he is kind of he can play at time to time he can play that 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 type of a uh, a four three one two like you said. Um, where the the nine more or less checks back in. That's as close as he gets to. As it. close as it gets, I agree, hundred percent. So, but it would be nice to see something like that. 
And I know that's an old-fashioned position. Not a lot of teams use anymore. Kind of like a four-four-two. But Sam, I'm sorry. It's, it's like it's like fashion. It, all the all the formations will come back around. Four, four, a four-four-two will be fashionable ten years from now. Maybe. Calling it, calling it. Well, we still see it as the base defensive formation. <laughs> it's the one that just about every team in the world uses defensively. It's just as attacking formation. We don't see it as much because. Uh, because you want your you, you don't want that like I mean classically it was the big striker and then your fast striker right and and now you you're supposed to have one striker who can kind of be both and and you you have these um you have these wingers who are supposed to get in behind that's sort of how everybody in the world's playing right now uh we'll we'll see if if soccer changes but uh the way that it's looking with with guys just being more technical more athletic asked to do more things uh we're seeing more spread out and, and um and guys being asked to, to cover multiple things as opposed to uh, what the four four two at least what it used to be, where it was very specialized. You had your guys who did this, you had your guys that did that, and you had your guys that did that. I, I don't think we're going to go back to that anytime soon. I thought you were almost going to hit me with the wiffle ball bat on that and do like a BC Boys rhyme there. We did it like this. We did it like that. We did it with a wiffle ball bat. All right. That's an old song, folks. Uh, <laughs> I, will, I, will say, I will say, David, I don't necessarily know if Ferreira is getting uh, shat upon. Um, I mean, in that same game that he missed those easy opportunities, he did assist in the goal. So hey, I've been high on Ferreira, man. I, 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 I like really him. like Ferreira. I dig him. He doesn't need to be shit on. I mean, he missed it. So what? I mean, a lot of guys have missed mm -hmm. stuff. A lot of guys have played very poorly. Polisic played hero ball yeah. for ages and ages. And now he's finally getting it through his thick ass skull <laughs> that he doesn't need to do that. Yeah, that so, was so cool, man. Seeing that interview where he actually addressed that and admitted it. and uh, It was I, healthy. Yeah, and yeah. I thought that that next game that he played in Qatar in the Club World Cup, like it was one of the better games that we've seen him in for in a while. And, and I do think... Even though Pulisic, Pulisic really got hammered for his performance in the last game for Chelsea, I thought that he came out bright. I, I thought that he was trying to get involved, and I thought that uh, we saw him um, receiving the ball and getting it out of his feet really quick. Uh, later on in the game, he was holding on to it, and he was getting kind of slaughtered in that midfield. But uh, but my, I'm optimistic. I'm hoping, I'm hoping we're going to see the best of Pulisic soon. That interesting. It was an interesting position he played too. Like he yeah. kind of was like. Wasn't a striker, but he was a classic almost, 10, man. He was almost yeah. like a Mexicozo type of 10. He was just pinging like, the ball all over the field. Just do what you want position, basically, yeah. which I thought was great. Um, and in that next nice game for Chelsea, they gave him more or less the same role. He was playing behind right. two strikers and was kind of given yeah. the opportunity to kind of move the ball around. And again, I mean, he hasn't really been scoring or assisting or completely kicking ass like he had in other games way back that we can all remember but i think he'll, he'll come out of this and i think he'll he'll be fine as long as he can stay healthy that's that's the big issue there mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but but brett brought up the interview with greg berhalter Ber which i do oh, want to cool. get to but before we do that um lawless made a big to do about basically saying shut up about complaining about scally not getting a phone call he's mm. a grown man he's fine but that's not really how things work. Um, I, he defended Scally and Greg at the same time. Do we have that tweet, Brett? Anyhow. I, I, can, I can find it if you guys want to talk for a bit. Did you read that tweet, Sam? I do. I don't remember it verbatim, but I do remember it, yes. Oh, okay, since, we have, since we've all seen it, I'm just going to bring it up. 
So okay. I'm going to talk about it. So uh, basically, uh, somebody asked, "Hey, what about the the comment that uh, Scally made about how he hasn't been contacted by Burhalter since November?" Because a lot of people are bringing that up. Like, how's he not? How's he not kept in contact? How's nobody contacted him about anything? You know, like, hey, hey, good work this week. You did well, or you know, keep it up, or not this window, but maybe the next window or something. But uh, so somebody reached out to Lawless and said that, and Lawless basically said, paraphrasing, of course, that he's he's a big boy. He's he'll he's doing just fine. He's not you know he's not whining about anything. But nobody, I don't think anybody was saying that he was whining about anything. He said participation trophies, right? I remember yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. So that triggered just, a lot of people, I think. <laughs> well, the the big the big point is is that you only have. I mean, you have so many jobs as 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 a manager of the United States national team coach. You have X, Y, and Z, you know, op, um, things to do. One of them is to stay in touch with your players, whether they're brought in for the windows or not. You got to stay in touch with the ones that are up there. Just it's weird that somebody highly touted as Scally, who has twenty three games uh, with uh, with Gladbach, waning now that everybody's healthy, but he has twenty three uh, games so far this season. And he got into one window, didn't play a lick of time, and then hasn't had a single phone call since. Not even not even from Brian McBride or somebody else from US or from the USSF. But nobody's reached out to him. And I understand that he's just he is he is a professional player and he wasn't whining about that. He was answering a question, which is what Lawless was saying. But I feel like somebody should probably be reaching out to these players. I've been thinking about this a lot, man. I, this this discussion it's it's an interesting one uh, from a lot of different angles. Uh, th- the first question I have for you guys is: I, I know that Scally is a player that uh, people have a lot of uh, emotions <coughs> with. He's he's a guy that that people feel very strongly about, and I know that Greg elicits a lot of emotions for people as well. Uh, if we consider other guys who were sort of in Scally's position in the national team, which is. Uh, young up-and-comer looking to break in. Uh, and, and we think about, like, like if you found out that Sam Vines hasn't been contacted by the national team in the last two months, would you be upset about that? Yeah, I would be because I think that's just something – if the guy's been a regular rotation player mm-hmm. for you for a while, I think you have the obligation to at least say, hey, man, I'm just checking in. How are things going? We've watched all your games. Yep. Right now we don't think – you know, we're going to call you up. Hold on, Brett. Yeah, yeah, and um, Let me and in, I, coach. I think that that's, <laughs> that's all that call has to be. It doesn't have to be complicated. And I think the same thing could have been to Scally. Cause I think Scally's looking and going, Brooks Lennon made that team. <laughs> and I didn't. As if on cue, Derek. That's weird. You know? So, oh, yeah. Greg, that, 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 that was basically going to be my point is that he's, He's he's not in touch with uh, with uh, with Scally. If he wasn't in touch with with Vines, that would shock me because Vines is a viable option at left back. You you could have your opinion one way or another whether or not he whether or not you think he's uh, the the best option at left back, or maybe we bring in another right back like he did with Brooks Lennon, and we just shuffle Dest over. But I mean, he's still a viable option for a number two at left back. Yeah, because Sam, Sam, if you don't get a phone call. Just a courtesy phone call. Doesn't that mean you're way out of the fucking picture? I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how it works internally. I mean, one of the things 
One of the things that Greg actually does get credited for is his communication with the players and the typically uh, you're right. Yes. Yeah, the, the way that he's built that group and that group seems to be pretty strong and they seem to care about each other and, and that. But uh yeah, so this kind of goes in opposition to that. I mean, I I do wonder like like suppose uh suppose this was Jurgen Klinsmann, you know, six years ago. Suppose this was Jurgen Klinsmann and we found out that Jurgen Klinsmann hadn't contacted uh, gosh, I'm trying to remember who was on Landon that. Donovan. No, 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 not Landon Donovan. <laughs> it would be like Brad Evans or something like that. Like, right. Like Klinsman hadn't contacted Brad Evans in two months. You know, like, how would we feel about that? Not very worried. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about a span of, uh, of, of, of world cup qualifying windows that are literally for the most part, back to back to back to back. When you're not keeping, when you may not necessarily be keeping in touch with a viable option, either right or left back, that seems to uh, be a concern, in my opinion. So here's well, you, the, go ahead, Sam. Sorry. You keep saying viable option. I think, I think part of this is like the thing that we we don't want to talk about is that I don't think that Greg sees Scally as an option for this last window. Well, if, if I think that's that, why. Well. I, <laughs> Did you guys? Well, catch- let's let's bring Brooks Lennon, and who hasn't been in any camps up until the December camp. I mean, it's just, it's it's nutty. In my I opinion. think the Brooks Lennon thing was a whole different thing. I he uh, said in his uh, press conference, "Whoa, can you guys hear the train?" I can hear the train. Yes, <laughs> he That's said awesome. in his. I'm pretty close to train tracks where I am right now. He said in his um, in his press conference uh, at, for the January camp roster that they kept a lot of players in uh, who were already in camp as potential options if there was like COVID issues, anything like that, because those guys were already quarantined and they were clean, so they were good to go for that. Uh, so I always thought that like guys like uh, Roald Don and maybe even Legette, um, uh, Gabrielle Slolina, um, uh, and, and, and uh, what's the player we're talking about right now? I forgot his name. Lennon. Right back. Lennon. Yeah. yeah, Lennon. Those are just guys that were just kind of extra and were never really meant to be a part of the group. And I don't think any of that those guys played any minutes. Did maybe roll? No, no. But I, wouldn't it have been good just to bring Scally and keep him integrated and in with the team? I mean, he's I mean, he's so familiar with some of these guys too. He mm-hmm. he knows all the younger players as well. He's in my heart. Yes. In my heart. Yes. I, I I think I would have loved to have seen Scally as a part of the group though. I understand that um, bringing any of these guys, especially in that last window, whenever uh, Omicron was just like kind of running rampant. And uh, there was already that issue with Jean-Luc Abusio who tested positive right before that, that like if any of those guys uh, had COVID, that would have been an issue and, and bringing extra guys from Europe who are outside of that quarantine window who you don't expect to play in the games uh, is, is a bit irresponsible. So I understand it from that perspective. Now, at the same time, I do agree with you guys that I would have loved to have seen Scally as part of the group. I'm just saying that I understand that there's other reasons why if you don't plan on playing him for whatever reason, if you don't think that he's uh, up for this window, if you think that it's going to be uh, who did it end up being Destin, Destin Cannon, and that Robinson was going to play all three games. Like if mm-hmm. that's what your plan is heading into the window, there is some validity to making that decision. So I get that. And heading into this final window, I'm not anticipating, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not anticipating many new players. I think it's going to be more or less the same roster that we saw in the last window. Add maybe, maybe uh, Gio Reyna if he's healthy. Maybe Josh Sargent, maybe. 
if if he can kind of show himself to be more of an option there, the, I, I don't uh, less know. The concern there would be uh, instead of Zardes, you bring in somebody like Peacock, who actually has been scoring goals, and he just scored again this weekend. I I see that too, but I I don't expect there to be. Oh, a I don't lot expect of it. I agree. I agree. I think that it's going to be more or less the same roster, and if that's what you're thinking, if you've already made those plans, then it sort of all makes sense, uh, at least to me. And and I I still contend that those guys who were um, kind of on the edge of the roster, the guys like uh, PFOC, the guys like Scally, uh, Luca De La Torre, Jean-Luc Abusio, Tanner Tessman, um, a, a lot of these guys are going to have their opportunity should we qualify, you know, especially with Nations League coming up. That's going to be their opportunity to come into the group. It makes a lot of sense to kind of keep that same group throughout World Cup qualifying and not kind of throw anything into the mix whenever you absolutely need uh, those points in the next window. Uh, okay. So I, I, I understand the the thought process, at least, I should say. I don't understand Zardisp on this team, <laughs> and I don't understand any thought process that makes it you know viable. And the same thing goes for Legette and Roldan for me. Mm-hmm. And it's not an anti-MLS thing. I have nothing against those guys. I have well, nothing I'm- against MLS. Hold on. Not done. <laughs> Um, but <laughs> we, we love our, ourselves some Walker Zimmerman on this show and we love yeah. ourselves some Matt Turner, Turner on this show. Those guys are MLS guys. So it's not that. So you can't, you know, point us, as, but I mean, Sam, you got to understand uh, Sardis really over PFOC for what imaginable reason possible. I don't understand it. Yeah, I mean, the the reason that Greg gave at least a few windows ago was that PFOC's not dynamic and that he doesn't play the ball with his feet, which is true. I mean, if you watch PFOC, he, he does do that. He, he uh, He's he's really good at getting into the box and putting away chances. But uh, you're, you're comparing it to Zardes's feet. <laughs> yeah. Which is, which is lined with cement. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a big thing. I, I think another point here is uh, if you guys listen to the interview – uh, that Scuff podcast did with Eric Williamson. They actually put mm. that out this morning, and it, it oh, was I very good. I haven't yet. No, it was very illuminating. Um, Williamson they, was asked about like um, why he wasn't a member of the Olympic qualifying team, uh, and and w- how he broke through in the Gold Cup. And the point that Williamson made over and over again was like how difficult and complex it is to learn Greg Berhalter's system, which is a conversation all on its own. Like should a national team have such a complex system that players take forever to learn it? And, and that's a whole different separate discussion, but either way, this is what we have, right? This is what we have. It's a, it's a complex system and it's not something that you can just kind of bring guys off the street and they pick up right away. Uh, So if experience within the system matters, then, then like that would make sense for Zardis, but I'm, I'm not really high on Zardis. I, I if if Zardis was if it was PFOC over Zardis in the next window, I would be fine with that. I, I I'm not gonna argue with you on that one. No, I mean I'm not high on Zardis either. I'm high on other things, but I will say this. <laughs> I will say this, and let's read read Chris Gary's uh, super chat. If we had an injury and suspension issues at right back and Lennon was our one option, we'd be screwed. And Scally had just recovered from the Rona. No, I get it, Chris. You're right. He had just We had Yedlin and Cannon both in that camp. It would have been the left back. That would have been the issue. Right. And that would have been mm-hmm. where the cover would have been because even Greg talked about, oh, well, you know, Yedlin's played there back in 2000. Well, like, Yedlin, Cannon, Destin, everybody's uh, played Acosta. There. Everybody besides Lennon, basically. And Acosta, yeah. But everybody so, besides Lennon has played left back, apparently. Yeah. I mean, and I guess, you know, he did plan on 
playing Robinson. I just, you know, that was a weird. That yeah, was a I weird hate one that for man. Me. I remember back in uh, I forget. I'm not good at numbers, but the World Cup, uh, where Klinsman only brought Josie Altador as the striker, and Altador got injured in the first game, first game. so yep. Dempsey had to play striker for the rest of the World Cup, and. Boy, that was frustrating. And, and we do see Greg yeah. do stuff like that. He he picks these rosters where you don't have a lot of cover at positions, and that's frustrating. He galaxy brains these things, and and yeah, I, I don't no love way. it, but you know, it's it's what yeah. we got right now. I think every coach that becomes a manager of the United States men's national team should have to take an IQ test prior. <laughs> that's just something I would require. Are you a stupid dummy or not? Well, you know, you know and here's the even though <laughs> even though Scally had just gotten the Rona, here's what Greg should have done. Hey, yeah, dude, I just heard you got the Rona, so we're just not going to call you up this time. Okay? Yeah. Hey, you keep up. You keep up the yeah. good efforts there. Great to talk about, right? Yeah. So it's that's weird, man. It's a, I don't know. So you guys think that. Let's say let's say the the 40-man depth chart that is the US men's national team, the 40 people that could potentially make any roster. We feel like Greg should be in regular contact with all these people. So yeah, that's a great question. So in the old days, um with Bruce, I'm just gonna use Bruce as an example because I know um he would basically call the top 40 guys. That's it. Even then, if you were out of the top 40, he would let you know you were out of the top 40, but he would call the ties that were in the top 40 and just say, here's what I'm thinking. Here's what's going on. You keep up this. You keep up that. Here's where you kind of stand on the pyramid. He was like really blunt about it with players. We're just not. I mean, that's what I want to see. And and Bruce wasn't even good. He would have a a lot of staff make those calls, too. It wasn't just him. You know, he didn't have time to make 40 calls. I mean, he'd make like 30, and then the other guys would handle the kind of outliers. And to be fair, it's a lot with. easier to contact these guys. It's a lot easier to keep track with. Them oh, now. it is. And oh, yeah. everybody's yes. so much younger than in those Bruce Arena days well, where the team was like 26, 28-year-old players. How do, you, how do you text on this thing, you know? I mean, back when Bruce was the manager the first time, they were I he had to use like one of those yeah. a rotary phone, yeah. A rotary phone to write them letters. Yes. So. Well, I mean, to that point though, how hard would it be to send a text? Yeah. I mean, is that, that would the work. That would work. Hey, Scally, you know, cool man, you're doing good. Uh not this window. Next time, bro. Yeah. yeah. Get better from I mean, the Rona. We'll... I understand Twitter yeah. has 244 characters, but come on, texts don't. Yeah. It's a fair point. It's just it's it's one of these issues that I don't I don't know exactly how I feel about it and I'm worried that some of my feelings about the player involved and the coach involved are coloring this. I wonder if it was say like Tata Martino didn't contact Diego Linez for 2 months, would I think that that was an issue or I it, would I'd, I'd be like well, uh, well, there, there's, okay. talk, there's talk that he's not in contact with a couple of a couple of uh, um Mexican players. Right. And <laughs> he's he's not really taking some of the best young talent that's developing right or now. Or some but, of the best old talent, man. Right. I mean, there's guys like Chicharito. Yeah. And I can never remember the player's name who plays for LASC. What's his name? Vela. Yeah, Vela, yeah. Carlos Vela. Yeah, he's been kind of uh, – he's been on an island away from the Mexican national team for like the last six years. And he – there was a time there where he was – definitely one of the best mexican players yeah. that could have been called in to me i don't know if it's exactly mm-hmm. the case now but i think if you consider the guys that they've been calling in like uh antuna and uh pizarro 
I mean, he's definitely better than those guys. Vela is a hell of a talent. Yeah. I mean, he still is even at his age. Oh, it's yeah. It's crazy to me yeah. that, you know, a guy who just managed in MLS and got to saw a whole lot of Carlos Vela is not calling him up. To me, that's a little weird, um, but I'm sure it, he's yeah. got his reasons. I mean, it's possible. It's possible that Tata can't. Uh, he's in the same camp with Berhalter and that he can't manage a squad of 30 players, but he can do 28 because 30 is too many. Well, yeah, he had an issue a while back. He had an issue and he got suspended from the national team. And then after they wanted to bring him back in, he was upset with the national team, and it was kind of like a just a bickering thing, sort of. I, I don't know much about the Hakeem Ziyech situation right now, uh, but you, I don't know if you guys saw, but he retired from international soccer recently. He he said he wasn't going to play for Morocco anymore, and I got to assume that he's one of the best players on the Moroccan national team. So, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, periodically these things happen where these uh, great stars, for one reason or another, just don't want to play for their national team or not welcome on their national team. It's It happens. I think it's like almost a financial thing. I'll have to look into it deeper, but um, I feel like a lot of the Moroccan national team, kind of like the Jamaican team, are dealing with their own well, federation shoot, and having battles. Kareem, Kareem Benzema with the French national team. I mean, when France won the World Cup, Benzema was not on the squad, and Benzema has been one of the best strikers of his generation, and he was probably at the peak of his powers whenever uh, France went to the World Cup, but he's right. been he's been on the outs with that squad. I mean, France has the quality in order to be able to tell somebody like Benzema to hit the bricks and still be able to compete for a World Cup. Uh, but still, I mean, it happens all over the world where some player is on the outs for one reason or another. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're going to leave this con- this particular part of the conversation. I mean, the old, the basic thing is just do your best to be as communicative as you can mm-hmm. with your, your like top 40 players. That's basically, I think, the bottom line. Ev Osama uh, Super Chat. Why do you guys think of a four four two diamond? What do you guys think yes, of a four four two diamond and Raina McKenny, Musa Adams all in the motherfucker midfield with uh, maybe <laughs> Polisic and Wea up top? I love it, but I yeah. don't think it's gonna happen. It's been brought. It's been brought up before. We we pushed the four the four four two, whether it's empty bucket or just a straight diamond middle doesn't really matter. But we bring the four four two all the time, and we talk about having a a a. A, a two striker tandem that consists of no actual stand like uh, a standard nines, if you will, like the the Peppies or whatever. And Peppy could be a four four two, but it doesn't matter. Beside the point. Regardless, we've brought this up many times. Let's I, get think, all, I think it'd be great. Yeah. Let's get all the best players on the field. Fuck yeah. I've never been a fan of the four four two diamond. I'll be honest what? with you guys. <laughs> I, I'm not removing <laughs> Unfriended. All it's right. A- well, that was Sam. He was on the show for a few moments there. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Sam. Why? Why not? I, gosh, I don't exactly remember why. I remember there was good tactical reasons why. I, I think part of it is that it's it tends to be a very narrow formation, um, and, and I think part of it for the for the U.S. men's national team specifically is that we have these um, fullbacks who are. Uh, getting forward so much like somebody's got to play defense at some point ultimately uh, so if you got the full the fullbacks going forward and you've got like uh, your front two strikers and then you got three midfielders who are kind of getting into the mix then you got three guys staying back uh, which which is difficult um, it's not it's it's never been my favorite formation I've always preferred the, the four, four three four, three or a yeah 
four, two, three, one type thing. Um, well, that tends but, to even be thinner. When, when you say it's not wide, the, the only thing I would say, if you're playing an actual, not a diamond 442, but even say a traditional 442, that, I mean, the great thing about that is everyone's assignment is really clear. You know exactly what space and what part of the field you're supposed to cover. And um, it covers the middle, it covers the wide, and then you got two strikers up top. But, I mean... I mean, you do way- have a hole in your like a, a hole in your midfield. Like is it's designed with a hole in the midfield. And if you have a player who can routinely slip into that hole in the midfield and play penetrating passes around, uh, you can get picked apart really easily. Um, there, it's it's a um, it tends to be like an all or nothing type formation. Like it's kind of come back into style with like the high pressing. Because with like the high pressing, you kind of lose your defensive formation anyway, just because guys are kind of moving all over the field trying to fill in. Um, but if someone is able to get that ball in that sweet spot in the hole of your diamond and play a nice pass somewhere, then, then you're you're on the back foot, and it, yeah, it could be a nightmare. Especially considering most of the teams you're playing are playing in a four three three, and they do have that extra player in that exact position, so it, it makes for a difficult thing to uh to manage but yeah no no you're it right depends on how they get, it depends on how they get stretched out right i mean as far as the diamond's concerned i mean you're not necessarily reliant on your wing backs to push forward that yeah 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 so, so the thing it, is it, it in modern soccer they, yeah. so many uh fullbacks get forward that the the formation has fallen out of favor we don't have those guys like steve chirundolo anymore who are like more or less content with uh Kind of sitting back, my mind, kind of pushing up and not really pushing up. Yeah, yeah. Now it's the the modern fullback is getting upfield so much that that it makes the uh, that used to be that used to be the more they used to be cannon. Those players they were great one v one defenders, but they never really got up into the attack. Now they kind of had to adapt since then. But Torundolo used to get up into. So what would happen in the old four four two is if Torundolo advanced far up on the right. The left back would stay stationary with the two center backs as coverage. And then if Toronto lost the ball and he had, he got back and then the ball was transitioned to the other side of the field, then the left back would go up and Toronto would sit back with the other two center backs. So, I mean, there's that kind of rotation. It, again, I guess we don't want to get in the weeds again, but the point is you can play the 4-4-2 in a lot of different ways. So we don't want to. You can, yeah. yeah. And it's kind of coming back into favor. Like we're, I've seen, I've seen it in Germany a few times. Uh, I have two. Other teams. Yep. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's, it is. You know, like the said, game it's, always evolves. Formations are like fashion. They always come back. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, not the two one two five. That's not coming back anytime two, soon. One, two, five. The WM. <laughs> the WM. That's not coming back. <laughs> There's no way you could play that now. Um, you might be able to try it, but I, I'm not going to recommend. I mean, when I was in high school, we played a three one three three. I mean, that's fucking freaky. Who plays that? No one. Absolutely nobody. Look at diamond. We- diamond in the back. Yeah. Do you <laughs> let's see, get Chris Gary 199. Do you ever get the sense the players dislike Greg? Uh yes. not, I guess not maybe not necessarily personally. They may dis, they may disagree. But like dislike him, like oh, I can't stand that Berhalter. I don't know. I mean I don't get the sense that that many people love Greg as a person i think mm. most of the relationships that he has are like almost like a transactional business relationship and i think that that's what the players have and i think that there is respect there and i've had conversations with people behind the scenes about this 
but I think in my in my interview with Jimmy Conrad, I asked Jimmy specifically uh, about his being a teammate with Greg uh, and, and about um, if if he if he agreed with the idea that Greg doesn't necessarily care about being liked by the fan base, and he like concurred with that. I think that's kind of like Greg's personality, where he's kind of like an all business dude, and and he's not like a guy that uh, people are gonna like, you know. Mm-hmm be a charismatic guy that people that, that's going to be beloved. That's going to be carried off the field or anything like that. That's kind of my they, sense. I think they're trying to like do that. Like with his shoes and his mug collection, coffee mug collection, they're trying to make him relatable. That doesn't make him relatable to me. I don't have a fucking coffee connect, uh, cup collection. <laughs> I could give a shit about coffee cups. So if you're going to be relatable, try something else. I mean, if you're going to try to be relatable, I don't think that he cares about trying to be relatable. No, you're right. I don't think that he cares. I think it's more of a USSF thing. I think it's more of a turd thing. I think the turd (laughs) would like him to be more relatable. And He's in the chat, Derek. Quit calling him that. Are you guys suggesting that that the guy whom you are referring to as the turd is responsible for the tweet? Um. I thought he was. It sounded a lot like Michael Cameron, actually, Maybe. when I read the tweet. I thought it was him. I seriously, the first thing I thought, but that sounds like Michael Cameron. This um, is all speculation for me. Yeah. But I have been the guy running the corporate Twitter account before, not I US too. Soccer. Oh, yeah, I was going to say other brands. We just got that on this show. Shit. Yeah. I've been the dude that runs the account for other dudes. Like I've been the the, the social media guy for other brands. Mm. And um, a lot of times people higher up the ladder have access to that account as mm-hmm. well. And sometimes oh. they decide to jump in and say something. And that's what that tweet felt like for me. So it could have been from the absolute top of U.S. soccer that that's what that felt like. I didn't think that somebody lower down would make that tweet. But I think they were idiots for deleting it later. Yeah, that, like, that was. Keep it up. You man. never, you never delete tweets. Own it and run with it. Joke about it. That's the way to go about it. But yeah, don't say. When sorry. you start deleting stuff, yeah, it, it, it's it's dumb. Don't do that. Don't do that. I mean, you could say, "Hey, listen, I'm sorry. That wasn't the best take we had, but it was Whoopsie. the one we had at the time, and uh, we uh, were open for your, your." Let me let me clarify because I do see some people asking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I worked for some radio stations. I worked for radio for like big corporate radio stations where I wasn't on air or anything like that, but I did run the Twitter accounts. Uh, so that's what I did. You didn't work to... at Purdue Pharma. No, no. I'm no. more likely to have worked for Purdue Pharma. Actually, I won't get into the reasons why, but no, I haven't worked for Purdue Pharma either. Anyhow, I'm not getting to pharma. Fuck, that's a fucking shithole discussion <laughs> right there. I don't want to even get into uh, that's, it. That's not what our show's about. So the thing oh, speaking, I, I want to say this. Speaking of uh, the Jimmy Conrad interview, I want to thank you guys for doing like your breakdowns of the uh, Alexi Lawless interview and the Jimmy Conrad interview. That's so cool to watch, man. It's uh, only I appreciate you guys doing that. You're, it's only because you're a great interviewer. Yeah, and you do a great job with it. It's like I watch it and I'm like, God, I want to talk about this. Well, and I, I don't know if you, I don't know if you notice when watching the the shows, our our our, our takes are always about what uh, Lawless or whatever or Jimmy had mentioned, not necessarily what you mentioned because you you ran a solid interview on both occasions. So 
Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that, man. I mean, that's something I, I take them very seriously and I prepare a lot for them. Uh, so I, I, I try to get through a lot uh, during those interviews. I know like mm-hmm. there's times where people want me to push certain things before, but I really feel yep. like I have a responsibility whenever I have these guys uh, to represent uh, a lot of questions that the fan base has for these guys. Uh, so I, I do kind of move on to certain subjects uh, so that I make sure that I get it all in. Uh, I thought so that happens at times, but yeah, dude, I, I knew what the first interview with Meg that you did that I watched. I'm like, damn, this guy, he, <laughs> he, he tries to, he digs in a little. I like this. So, you know, whatever people want to say about you being too nice or whatever, it's not really true. If you look I, into the questions, the questions I are Jimmy deep. Conrad, some tough questions, man. <laughs> yes. Like, whatever hey, we got done he, with that interview. He did some nice tap dancing around some of those things. So <laughs> uh, we, we love Jimmy. We love. Jimmy, yeah, we do. I, I mean, he's been yeah. on our show. We live, but we'll bust his balls for that next time. Oh, he's yeah, on our show. Absolutely. I, I think there's a way that you can do it. That's like respectful that people will be open to answering those questions. And likewise, there's a way to ask those questions that's disrespectful that people will clam up and won't give you anything. So I, I try to, uh, to go on that side where people are going to be uh, more willing to, um, to answer those questions and go deeper. And I think like specifically with Jimmy and Alexi was the same way. I mean, they went a lot longer than I was expecting to whenever we were done with the conversation, they were like, really appreciative of it um and and wanted to do more and um those two guys everybody that's been like one of the famous people that i've interviewed uh so far has been so gracious and so above and beyond and and after the interview was like willing to like uh answer questions or like some of them some of them gave me their personal phone numbers and their personal email addresses some of them <laughs> set up meetings for me with other people within the industry i mean like going above and beyond to be gracious um and so i, I can't thank those guys Sam, enough for i've got to ask done. how many how many how many bathroom stalls did you write their numbers in <laughs> no but for a good the, time here's the funny thing like i noticed like at the very beginning of the lawless interview you looked a little nervous yeah I think you were, and I would have been too. Like, yeah, I remember interviewing John O'Brien in like, I mean, John O'Brien was like, yeah, I, I love John O'Brien, and he's on our show, or Bobby McMahon, who'd been my mentor as a soccer writer for like eight years, and I had him on the show. I was nervous as fuck. Like, I, I, I ain't. It was weird, but you know, those guys—they're such good people. They make you. Somebody's echoing again, by the way. It's probably my. Probably me. I'll turn down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, man. And, and they're they're passionate soccer people, and they want to have these conversations about soccer. Um, and if I feel like if you meet them where they are, and you're respectful, and you uh, you do your diligence, and you do your 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 research, and you put the work in necessary, that I, I think that they're they tend to have their guard up at first. I think Jimmy certainly had his guard up, and he was certainly kind of feeling me out at the beginning. I told you guys I got the strong impression that he didn't know anything about me whenever we were doing the interview. I think if you go back and watch, like he never actually says my name uh, because I don't think that he knew what it was. Uh, <laughs> so Despite I think that he that was guarded. It's there, yeah. on the fucking screen. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. Uh, whenever we do the interviews, I don't have the names on the screen. Oh. Um, I, I don't have that on because I add the names after and post. 
um, so they're gotcha. not actually on. So there, there has been times where I'm interviewing people and they don't actually know my name. Uh, but uh, Lawless was starstruck by Sam. I don't think so. <laughs> but it's been it's been a super great experience, and I'm really excited to interview more people. And mm-hmm. it's, I mean, these guys like like Jimmy Conrad. I mean, some of the guys that I'm kind of talking to about doing interviews with right now. Like these are guys who were playing the game whenever I like fell in love with the team, you know, like these are kind of the sweet spot for me. Uh, So getting to talk to these people is kind of crazy. You know, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's super exciting that, that I'm get to be in this position and I'm excited to be able to uh, put in the work and hopefully deliver something to, uh, to, to the fans out there. That's like uh, noteworthy newsworthy, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. no, no. And it's it takes ball. I, I can't tell people how many balls this takes. It's it takes a big ball sack. I remember um who was the right back that we had on, uh Brett, um uh from the Amer- US men's national team. I for, just forgot his name. He played on the 2002 uh, Tony World Santa? Cup. Tony Santa. Okay. I remember him being <laughs> one of our first guests. And I was like, I don't know, I was like 40 at the time. I was so nervous. I mean it 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 takes balls to to have these people on because you don't want to piss them off, but you know you yeah. want to get get as much out of them as you possibly can. So. Now, for me, I I do video production for a living. I own a video production company, so I conduct interviews all the time. And I've interviewed you know CEOs, I've interviewed politicians, I've interviewed athletes, head coaches of football, it's like a, a bunch of prominent people, uh, a bunch of very intimidating people. So. I do have that experience. I have been doing it for a very long time. So, uh, and, and another thing is like you're in your room and you're just seeing the person on the screen across from you. It's a lot scarier if you're like actually in person with them. Oh yeah. Uh, so, so there is that. Um, but, but still, um, I, I you, you do kind of have to like get over that like stage fright of like who you're looking at and kind of forget that and kind of just uh, dive into your notes and your questions, you know? Yeah. I remember when, um, the Brickyard Battalion, and we celebrated the announcement of the team. And I had to hang out and talk with Mike Pence, who was the governor at the time of Indiana, for like 10 minutes. Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> His eyes, like, stared, like, like through you. I mean, you felt so, like, oh, jeez, this guy's intense, man. Oh, this yeah. This guy's really I've, I've been in those intense. situations before, for sure. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, okay. The other Danger, thing- Dangerously taking us down a wrong path there, Derek. <laughs> I'm not. That's Beer. nothing to do Beer. with. Poli- I mean, politics. Pence <laughs> and the a lot of the politicians on both sides yeah. supported the growth and and build of the uh, Brick Air Battalion. Oh my God! <laughs> Are we gonna do a music collab? What? I need some lyrics. <laughs> you got you. You got your book of uh, of rhymes right next to you, man. Pull it up. I, I know I all the rappers do that, Derek. I haven't written a rhyme for a while, so they're back in another notebook. I have to pull that out. <laughs> now I don't know if Sam knows this, later, but I, I've been doing a hip hop album recently. So I did not know that. Yeah, check it out. Uh, uh, it's um, called Dare Jason. D E R J A S O N. And actually, if you go to the straight record, we posted some of the videos. Well, I didn't. Somebody else did. God Named damn it, G Rick or GZ. Uh, GZ. Yeah. Yeah. So he's <laughs> been posting up my my rap song. So let's get to the rest <laughs> of this Bobby Warshaw interview. Whole point of the conversation here, huh? So we're only fifty-one minutes into the show, guys. I know we don't have much time. We got like nine minutes, right? We wanted an hour. Well, we're close to a nine. 
uh, close to the hour here. But in the interview, it was weird that um, Burhalter picked out Matt Turner and McKenney to blame for the kick era. I thought that was kind of weird. I, I thought that I thought that that Turner was okay to blame because I mean you had the massive amount of wind. I mean you got to imagine as a professional goalkeeper, you got to realize that don't boot the ball way up in the air. But I thought McKinney's uh, outing was a bit strange. Did, that was a bit weird. I mean i I don't want to. Uh, I don't really remember what he said, but I don't. I didn't get the feeling that he was blaming McKinney so much as saying. With McKinney not in that position, Turner shouldn't make the kick. You know, yeah. He men- he mentioned uh, McKinney pushing out wide and not staying in the middle, and that well, opened he up should the space. Be. Yeah, yeah. And so he meant like he should be in that position. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and I mean, uh, if these are yeah, this is trivial. I mean, yeah. Really. I've always get the feeling that Greg is super super intentional about the things that he says, um, and like he. I mean, you can count on one hand how many times he's actually criticized a player in the press. Uh, so oh. if he's doing it, I think he's doing it like two players that he thinks like he's safe in doing so in those positions, you know. Um, I, but I thought that, you were going to say that he he only, you can only count on one hand how many times he blamed himself or something. <laughs> he he rarely does that either. That I'm happening. not sure if he's ever done that. <laughs> no. And, you know, that would be actually refreshing if he did. But he oh, also yeah. said that, um, and this was weird, he expected El Salvador to play a low block well, and be compact and low. And <laughs> I was thinking, why did you expect that? Because well, that's he... not what they did, number one. And number two, I mean, he should know enough about the coach of El Salvador to know that's not what they're going to do. That's not what El Salvador does. They don't play a low block and play counterball. They they play kind of an open game, not like they play their 100%. style. Yeah, it's a medium block at yeah. best. So I thought it was weird that he didn't. He had like one game plan for that. Well, I mean, I I'm uh, I'm revealing some breaking news right here, but I actually just kind of recorded a video right before we uh, <laughs> went live on um, some of my beefs that I have with Burhalter uh, and you kind of just said everything right there in um, there's only one plan. Cause there's only, there's always one plan. We don't have other plans. Mm-hmm. We, we have our one thing that we do. And, and the frustrating thing is that that one thing that we do, man, I don't want to give away too much of the video. I'm kind of just saying like, the whole pieces of the video, but anyway, yeah, we only have one plan. There's not a plan B and it's, it's a very frustrating thing with, the, with the national team and, and, and with Greg in particular. Well, what gets me about that is that it took Burhalter 24 hours to realize that that Canada was playing in a low block. I well, mean, anybody, anybody watching the game could realize that. Yeah, I don't know why that took so long. And maybe he just made himself look bad. Maybe he did know how right away that they're going to do that. But what maybe- did you guys? What did you guys think about that? Um, about him when Bobby Warshaw asked him about his comments following the Canada game. Uh, where he said, "What? What? I forget exactly what he said. It was a decisive victory. It, uh, it was a great performance. We, we dominated. Just, yeah, we dominated. That's what it was. We dominated. Sorry, I forgot. Yeah, uh, <laughs> a little bit too much. Uh, well, of this stuff I mean, right it's here. understandable you you forgot about it because uh, we lost the match. <laughs> yeah. So, what did you think about <laughs> when Warshaw asked him about that? He talked. He talked about how he was basically talking to his team." and trying to get his team ready for the next game uh, and to draw positives from the performance. 
Well, he did mention very specifically that Canada wasn't able to make more than eight passes in, eight a, row passes at, in, in a row any part of the game. And El the thing, Salvador didn't do that at all, by the way. But I don't <laughs> think that it's in Canada's game plan to make eight passes in a row. I don't think that's what they do. Well, they, they scored they scored off of like less than four passes in a yeah. row. So why does it fucking matter if you get it's, eight? It's a disturbing answer. <laughs> when somebody says, well, here's my answer. It's a bunch of fucking stats. Listen, those aren't those aren't a bunch of numbers on the field. Those are actual human beings that are playing. So you've got to take all of that into consideration and you've got to be a little bit more artistic. Like, listen, if I just wrote songs my whole life using mathematical, um, like, let's say I took musical theory in college, which I certainly would never do because those people are the most unartistic people I've ever met in my life. But if you do take that, and if you have Sam, I apologize. I didn't mean that. No, <laughs> our, our bad, our bad. My bad. If I just I'll, I'll own people. half of Derek's fuck up. So now, not every artistic theory person's <laughs> like that. Like so, Paul McCartney. Well, said, I think there's a few in the comment section right now that are like. <laughs> so Paul McCartney. Damn it! <laughs> Paul McCartney could not read music when he started writing for the Beatles, and then later on, he became very adept at writing music, and he knew how to write music. And it, what are it all made, these dots and lines? I don't understand this shit. So eventually Paul McCartney became a kind of mediocre songwriter. I don't know if that helped him or not, that he now knows how to read music. Because listen, any well, he's old. That's an issue. Paul McCartney's a mediocre songwriter? He is now. He didn't used to be. I mean, right up through band on the run. Is he 80? Yeah, I think he is 80. <laughs> so I don't blame him. It's like that interview on 60 Minutes. It's like a fine wine. It's like that interview with Bob. Yeah, Dylan so on... you did Sergeant Pepper, but what have you done for me lately? Yeah. It's like that interview <laughs> on 60 Minutes with Bob Dylan. When they ask him, how come you don't do music anymore? And Bob Dylan said, I got nothing left to offer. I did it. He I'm did done. that song with uh, Kanye and Rihanna a few years ago. That wasn't bad. That's true, but he didn't have to be like the major maker of it, you know. But he's like, "Here's a lick, use that." I did not expect to be like discussing <laughs> never, the validity never, of the, the greatest songwriter who's ever lived. You're coming on to our show. You ability. never know exactly what's going to happen here. So you know, Sam, as you probably know or <laughs> don't know, you know, I was in a band. You were in a band for a long time, but I'm a musical historian as well. So <laughs> this gets like I could go into this a deep, deep. deep Paul way McCartney way. fell off. I love it. <laughs> he did fall off. Who are your favorite eighty-year-old musicians? Uh, there are none. They're they're all dead. Most of them die before they're eighty. Fair so, enough. Yeah, due to what they were doing in their twenties and thirties. Yeah, indeed. So <laughs> one last question uh, for you, Sam. And this is sort of like the uh, uh, the, the, the uh, speed round, if you will. So, Favorite beer. And, and, Favorite well, beer. Well, oh, well, go, well, ahead. go well, ahead. While, De while Derek's saying these things, guys, in the chat, write some other questions. We'll bring them up. But this is the last question Derek's got. Well, go. it's the last question because we're almost in an hour. And that's last what we're... We never last round. just an hour. Well, I mean, if Sam wants to keep going, we could go on after that a little bit, but I don't think we should go that far past it. You know, right, Sam? You got I don't shit have to that do. much going. I got to eat at some point. But okay, me too. <laughs> I you're, got you're, you're, a taco you're, today. You're yeah. drinking. That should be sufficient, right? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, that fills your belly, I guess, with warmth. Um, so your favorite beer, Sam. Do you have a favorite uh, style of beer and a favorite beer? 
I'll go with a beat of purple haze. I'll go with a local beer. How about that? Mm. What's that? What, what type is that? I've had that before. It's good. It's a raspberry mm. based beer. I, I thought it was going to be too fruity for me, but it wasn't that horrible. It's not fruity. It's no, pretty subtle. Yeah, it's very, it's very subtle. subtle. It, they don't overdo it on the flavor there. So um, I think Brett likes the, you know, crappy bitter beers. I'm a Belgian. I'm an, beer I, I'm guy. an IPA guy. I'm an IPA oh, guy. I like Belgian beers. I do Belgian beers. Oh, How about pi- have you had Pirat? Yeah, I have not. No. Oh, get it. It's P I R A A T. Get it at a specialty store because you will your balls will like fall off. I don't drink a lot of beer. I don't drink a lot, really. I don't. Remove. We did this already, right? This this whole thing. I know. I know the the, all the whiskeys up there. Kind of (laughs) like he's had them for he's had them for a decade, guys. They've just. I really don't drink a lot. Did somebody say stop bickering with Sam? Yeah. No. They. uh, Here you go. Oh, us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ho Garden's a great one. I see somebody Ho-Garden, said that. Yeah. 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 Ho Garden's good. Um, what's the Blue Moon is a great one. You know, God, I'm trying to think of the best one in the world. Um, I am banning you from the chat. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was one question. Uh, I do love, I have to say, Lafindo Mom, which is Canadian, actually, and also a Belgian style ale is maybe one of the best uh, North American beers out there along with three philosophers. If you haven't had three philosophers, look it up. It will blow your balls off. Um, three philosophers. I'll, I'll say, say somebody points? in the comment section a while back asked me what the best Buddha around is. And I think I would go best stop. Buddha. Buddha. <laughs> I would say Jenny Cush, but that's what I know of Buddha. <laughs> yeah, we getting real Cajun now, Bo. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, is that yeah. me? Is they that asked me? for it earlier. And it's yeah, there you good. go. If you're still around, if you're still in the chat, I'll, I'll go with Best Stop as the best Buddha. Uh, Don's Jared, is a great one too. But those are my. Did you mean to two. say three Floyds instead of three philosophers? No, three philosophers. Three philosophers. <laughs> three philosophers. It's by Omagong. In New York, it's one of the best beers you'll Sounds ever like a have. Troll here, like, hey, three philosophers, but oh my god, in it's New great! York. No, it's great. If Sam. I'm gonna drink, it's usually gonna be a whiskey, it's not gonna be a beer. Fair point, fair play. So, I'll say that. <laughs> I don't keep many beers because I'll drink way too many of them, and I don't want to keep up with it. Oh, right, here's a question for you, Sam Is Dennis Leary a horrible comedian? I've never been a fan, but he was a little bit before my time. I don't. He stole Comedy. some material. What's that? He stole some material. Yeah, that's the big thing people always yep. talk about with him. I mean, the all I remember about Dennis Leary is like his dramatic accent acting. Like I, I don't remember him being like. Oh, oh he was comedies. great in the movie The Ref. Oh, that was phenomenal. If you've ever seen bit, that, a little bit before uh, my time. Saw that one, but no, I mean, <laughs> I think the the consensus is now he should never do comedy again. He's not funny anymore, but he is a good dramatic actor. I'll give him that. I'll give him that. Speaking of before my time, yeah, uh, I have noticed a lot that so many of the fans out there are a lot younger than me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Like I, I, I notice that a lot. Like a lot of the people that comment are like twenty years old ish, 
So like whenever I talk about anything that happened with the national team, like prior to maybe the last cycle, mm. they have no idea what I'm talking about. It's and, weird. Yeah, our our audience, I guess, is a little older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and well, this is why we're a little smaller too, though. <laughs> <laughs> So well, this, this is a good this is a good time to bring up that uh, Sam's going to be bringing on a lot of TikTokers uh, for too long. I say that just because <laughs> I saw the the uh, the big tweet that like went around the world oh, this morning man. that uh, that kid uh, Stephen Jimenez like debuted yeah. at I fourteen that, I years that old. Derek. Yeah, isn't that the Derek? He's yeah, a I read 2007 that. kid. <laughs> like, oh my god. Yep. I felt so old who reading he, that. Who did he debut for but, again? Uh, FC or FC Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Okay. Yeah. Cincinnati. Wow, that's ballsy from them. Well, yeah. I mean, it's Cincinnati, of course. They can put in a fourteen-year-old. What the fuck else are they going to do? Lose six zero? Come on. Sam, <laughs> did you know that the manager of Magdeburg in uh, Germany was named Christian Titz? I only because I saw uh, your video <laughs> covering. I mean, you are. Whenever I need information on Christian tits, I know where to go. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. We're um, knowledgeable about the tits. Yeah. Mr. And tits, sorry. Mr. Tits. Um, yeah. It is my father's name. Oh, yes. <laughs> Sam, is there anything you want to announce or, or like just say before the show ends about like promoting something coming up? I don't know. What are you working I on? Um, I've got, I've got some interviews that are kind of lined up, uh, in the works that I'm excited about. Uh, I just recorded a video prior to coming on that I'll probably put up and produce tomorrow about, uh, Greg Berhalter. Um, the podcast is still up and running. I'm excited for, uh, for the March window. I do have tickets to go to Orlando, so I'm excited to, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to meet up with Filippo. Um, I'm going to meet up hopefully with, uh, go to the scuff podcast, go to their little, uh, get together they have so hopefully i'll be running into a lot of uh the u.s soccer community hopefully meet some of these players that i've been interviewing that would be great hey. i actually talked to um alexi lawless in austin for that world cup qualifier he was in like the uh he was in the american outlaw section and like after the game i went over there and i got to say a few things to him he had no idea who i was uh so that was cool was he uh, nice to you oh yeah he's super nice yeah okay. He wasn't nice to me when I ran into him in like 2011. It was in a different context, I'm sure. He was but, walking uh, across the street, man. Well, well, he probably learned his lesson since then, too. I'm excited to uh, to interact Big with a bunch man. of the, the content creators out there for uh, October, and hopefully, hopefully, it's a uh, it's a good window for us. Hopefully, we we would have already gotten three points in Azteca against Mexico, so mm-hmm. the Panama game is just gonna. Uh, be that thing that that clinches the World Cup for us, and I'll be in attendance for that, and it'll be very exciting. And so, on a scale of five to zero, then going into this last window, five being like zero. your balls are well snuggled, and zero being your shit in your drawers. Where, how do you feel right now going into this last? Uh, I try not to think about it. Um, <laughs> I would say nobody ever thinks about you're in denial. I would say I've been at a hard one for uh since 2018. Uh, yeah, and and whenever Gio Reyna went off the field crying the other day, I slipped down to a zero. Uh, so I, I I'm just like erring on the side of uh terrified. Uh, but well, I do 
I, that being said, I think we match up really, really well against Mexico. I think that we we have been very dominant at home. Um, that uh, that we should get those points against Panama and even against Costa Rica. I mean, Costa Rica, we we uh, we matched up with them very well in that home game. There's not a lot about them that uh, that really scares me. Um, the the thing Costa Rica played us a lot like Canada played us, where they kind of sat back and waited for those attacks. But whenever they did make those counterattacks, they don't have the athletes that Canada has to really exploit us. I mean, you guys remember that moment against Costa Rica where uh, Chris Richards and Miles Robinson kind of botched that back pass, and Brian Ruiz had the slowest breakaway that he anyone's get, ever seen. He had a, he had a walker. Got to give him breaks on that, man. Jeez. Yeah. He only I mean, had three tennis balls, too. That's rough. You guys know as well as I do that uh, – what in the world is scrolling at the bottom of the screen? <laughs> You guys know as well as I do that playing in Costa Rica is not an easy thing to do, and especially is if we're playing in Costa Rica and they're fighting for their last gasp at a World Cup opportunity. Uh, it's very scary, so hopefully it doesn't come down to that. But um, I, I am as optimistic as I am terrified. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I'm, I want to be optimistic, and I, I try really hard. But uh, after the last World Cup, that's really difficult for you, Derek, because you're the pessimistic one of the group. I am. I'm if the you dark. want to be pessimistic, you have every right to. I mean, in the next window, we go to Azteca, where I don't think what's the most we've ever gotten in Azteca in World Cup qualifying. I think the most we've ever gotten is one point, and I think one. that happened like once, maybe twice. And then we've got this Panama team at home that already beat us in World Cup qualifying. Well, I blame been- that all on Greg. Fair enough, but they did already beat us, so it's not like they're scared of us coming in, and they've been exceeding their uh, expectations throughout World Cup qualifying, and they've got a berth at the World Cup on the line. And then we got to go to Costa Rica, where we, just like Azteca, have never fared well. So there is a lot of reasons to be pessimistic. Uh, There's reasons to be optimistic. There's reasons to be pessimistic. And uh, depending on how I woke up that particular morning, I'm I'm, I'm on that side of the fence. Well, every team we're going to play has a reason to play. That's the one reason to be nervous. That could benefit us in the end, though, because quite frankly, we do better against teams that are are pushing for a, a a result. Yes, we do do better. Whenever they they come in, they come to us or they, they sit at home and they, hope to get point or the three points that's different but when that when they're needing to get that result that's a, that's a big difference i think it's uh, panama is going to still play a low block mexico won't no, Ma- panama's no, got to win yeah mexico panama's got to win mexico does not have to win but they're playing at home they're going to push us and i again i think that's going to benefit us and we've seen it Mexico doesn't have to win at home. But Mexico doesn't know know how to play for any other way than a win. That's all they do. They don't need to win simply because of the points. And they've got an easier easier window than us. Uh, I don't think that Mexico, even though they don't necessarily need to win, I don't think that like uh, emotionally they can afford not to win. They're going to come out hoping to win. They're going to push us. And I think that's going to benefit us because in the past three games that we've beaten them, they came and pushed at us. Because they just expect they expect to dominate most of the game, have more of the opportunities, and I, I think they're going to continue doing what they normally do against us. And I think it's going to benefit. It's going to play to our benefit. Well, yeah, they, it really will. And they have El Salvador and Honduras, two teams that have nothing to play for. Exactly. Okay, so they'll win both of those probably, and then you know they. We seen- said that in the last cycle with Trinidad and Tobago, man, they didn't have anything to play for, and 
Yeah. Uh, sometimes that's when Sorry. Free, I shouldn't that's... I shouldn't talk about well, that, that. that. That was the point. Like it, again, we're in one of those scenarios <laughs> where it's like it has to be like the perfect storm. Like Costa Rica has to like win. If if we don't beat Panama at home or if we don't get a result against Mexico, Costa Rica has to like win like all three games. It's one of those scenarios yeah. where we're like sitting like we're sitting back going, Well, geez, we're we're pretty fortunate here that we're gonna be in a point where we should qualify, but then again, we were in that same situation last cycle, and we totally fucked it up. Well, not only did we fuck it up, but everybody else fucked it up. It was that situation, man, yeah. where all these things needed to happen that weren't supposed to happen, but all of them ended up happening. Mm-hmm. And boy, that that Trinidad and Tobago game, man, that was <sighs> freaking the most disgusting how, soccer game. How many of those players were uh, were not were not actually signed to a professional team? They're like. <laughs> Was, those goals, man. Those goals that, like that, that that I mean, one of those goals was a goal that like Tim Howard has saved every single time it's come his way since he was 14 years old, and like it was the one glitch mm. in the matrix where he let that sit that ball in, and then the other one was like that freak, that freak own goal over off of Omar Gonzalez that like just dropped in magically the right spot with like it's not like Trinidad and Tobago was like in our box you know like getting mm-hmm. great opportunities these were freak but chances that even corresponded yeah. with like freak chances that were happening in other games yep. and yep. then there was these moments where like I, I forget was it Dempsey who had an opportunity that hit the bar and like yep mm-hmm. so yeah. much like everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong I, I mean, when so when Twelman was on ESPN and he said, "What are we going?" I was thinking, "Well, did you watch that game? Because that was some freaky ass shit, man." I mean, yes, we should have won the game, but those were freaky goals. That one guy scored a goal from forty yards out. Well, he, he he couldn't yeah. hit the fucking broadside of a barn on a normal day, and he scored from forty yards out. The other thing, as you mentioned, went off uh, uh, Omar's toe. And then somehow had this weird looping spin that just got over Howard's head. It was some weird shit. And then all the other weird shit that happened externally was absolutely insane. So it's like, it's, I mean, you watch a a thousand soccer games and like you see weird shit happen every now and then. But in that particular game, it just all happened in that game. Yep. Yes. That, that game was transcendental. And that's what scares me. That's what scares me is I I know that in this game, like even if you have the best players, even if you have the best coach, even if you have all the stuff in your favor, freaky stuff can still happen, man. Even for the best teams in the world, freaky stuff happens. I mean, Manchester United just lost a cup game to like a lower division team and and they've got, I mean, so many millions of dollars in their roster. They've got a, an immaculate pitch. They've got the best of everything you can possibly have. They have. Well, and I mean, freaky shit still happens, and that scares we, me, yeah. man. And as we found out with the United States national team, you could have these great players, but if you don't have to coach, coach it, then... <laughs> well, you know, I don't want to go out on this making everybody anally pucker. I understand why why people would. My... My anus is puckered as we head into March for sure, again, and I don't want to get too, your too graphic. Kind of but, but I mean, everybody has a right to be nervous going sure. into this last window. Especially, uh, go ahead. Sorry, I mean, consider us in our particular situation as content creators for this national team. Like, <laughs> we're I don't dead. know about you guys, but I've invested a lot into this national team, man. And, and <laughs> if they fail in, in March, like. 
Yeah. Like, what, is, what is the future of the Yank report at that point? I mean, you know? Four <laughs> years of yanking it. That's what it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> no, in fairness, though, I mean, I mean, the, and Jimmy brought this up in your interview. The negative, the negative videos bring up more content for us. So it could do very well for your show. You know, saying, "Oh my God, I can't believe we didn't qualify for." Dude, a second, that'll last for like row. four months, and then yeah, it'll be and over. then you have two yeah. years of inactivity. So yeah, and then you're just going to be putting up shit like Breck Shea eaten by <laughs> Anaconda Get for nine four years. Views. Uh, yeah, you're who totally would do that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, All one right. last question. Nope. This is John Burns, yep. five dollars, one point in Costa Rica sneaking the U.S. into the playoff against News. One point in Costa Rica sneaking the U.S. into the playoff against New Zealand. I'm not exactly sure what that, that means. Would, that would require that would require Panama to get more points and exceed past us. Okay, and us literally doing the bare minimum just to keep Costa Rica out is what he's saying. Which right. don't get me wrong, we're again we're going into Azteca. Azteca has never been our friend, but then again, this is the cycle. If we're ever going to win in Azteca, this is going to be the cycle. But then, to be fair, uh, in Costa Rica, we've never won in Costa Rica. But if there's ever going to be a cycle where we're going to win in Costa Rica, it's going to be this one where they're they're sitting on aged players. I'll take tie win tie. How are you with that, Sam? Yeah, well, fuck, that's that fine with me, man. That's qualifying. That's qualifying. <laughs> yeah. Of course, I'm how okay am I with that? With that? <laughs> <laughs> Five points? Are you serious? Yeah, we're good with that. Fuck it. I mean, you know? There's a part of me that believes that, I mean, this could potentially be like a nine-point window, man, because I still think that the U.S. matches up very well with Mexico. And for all the reasons mm. that uh, you guys talked about earlier, I, I do think that Mexico has to come out against us and be aggressive because their fan base is out for blood at this point. They're not going to want a Mexico that sits back in the Azteca. And if you come out against uh, a midfield that consists of, you know, Yunus Musa and – uh, it won't be Tyler Adams probably, but Eunice Musa and Weston McKinney. If you got guys on the field like Tim Weah, Brennan Aronson, maybe Christian Pulisic, whoever it is, guys who are so fast and can exploit that against these older legs of, of Mexico, man. I mean, and Azteca is a big field and it's going to be really nicely manicured and it's going to play really well into all the things that we like to do. Uh, we have every opportunity to go in there and steal one. Uh, but yeah. boy, I'm so I, I feel, I'm, I'm nervous. Like if Mexico wanted to beat us, all they'd have to sit, they'd have to sit ten players behind the ball, and just and just well, let us go at them the entire game. That's the move. Yeah, <laughs> that that would be interesting if they tried to do that. To be fair, Honestly. whenever that would we be, played them, that'd be crazy if they did that. Whenever we played them in Cincinnati, <laughs> they sat back a lot. I mean, they didn't sit back as much as Canada sat back, but they mm. did concede possession to us and allowed us to play and tried to hit us on the counter. I mean, if you think of all the opportunities they had in that game, I mean, they were uh, early in the game and they were on the counter. Uh, they weren't able to put them away, but that that was their game plan going in. And maybe that's what their game plan will be in this one, but who knows? I, I don't think it will. I think they're going to come out at us. I think they want to get the Olays going. Yeah. I mean, you're right. So hopefully we score first. That'll make it easier. Boy, would it? Yeah. So – but hey, Sam, I want to thank you for coming on and staying over the hour that we usually are trying to aim for, but never accomplish. We fail constantly to do an hour. And I hope you continue doing your great your great show with your great interviews, some of my favorite interviews out there. And um, it's nice to have you on because we know we're going to have a good time. Like, 
we have other guests on we're like is this gonna be a good time not sure it's gonna be a good time and so that's why we don't have a lot of guests on um so i appreciate that and uh again let's stay connected and keep doing stuff together big question when are you gonna get burr on? oh man that would be so great I, somebody uh, somebody in the comments section of my videos said that if you can get Alexi Lawless on, you can get Greg Berhalter on, That's which I was like, I don't know about that. But then no, like I was thinking, no. like, what would be the way to get him on? What, is there an email address or something like that? I don't think that there's a chance in hell that uh, as Bobby, he's active Bobby coach Warsaw, in the national team. 64 at gmail.com? No. <laughs> listen, Jimmy, Jimmy has Greg's email if you want it. So you can have to ask him for it. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. Can, know. Jimmy, can Jimmy get him on Kegulazo? No, he said he wouldn't have him on the show because he needs the distance. So, but we don't want Greg on our show. I mean, we'd like to have him on, but we don't have any shot at it because we've been too shitty to him. You know, so. I would like to have him on. I think I would have a really productive conversation. I think it would be great content. But at the same time, I do know that I would get like crucified on Twitter because I didn't say something that everybody wanted me to say which is which <laughs> yeah. does kind of suck you, like you, you guys know that get, if i had greg on get, like yeah. people would rip me yeah uh, and they probably kinda hit, you kind of got hit on the jimmy conrad show too i get ripped a lot dude uh, after all these <laughs> interviews it's, it's just people are upset that we I appreciate it man we appreciate it i i i don't know <laughs> i don't know how what the expectation is as far as like it, expecting me to be like rude to these people and then expect them to be open and answer the questions honestly. And then to have more people in the future, like it just doesn't work like that. No, uh, you're right. So if, if you came balance. out and said, fuck you, it, that'd be the end of it right there. No, there's no, and not even, it's just not fuck you, but like, <laughs> let's say a, a serious disagreement broke out. I mean, you know, that could, that could be detrimental going forward, too. I mean, we're not afraid of that. Because I expected we, the softball questions. Dude, we're, we're, we're old. We don't give a shit. But you've got a long career yeah. ahead of you, Sam. You do. To be fair, in the interviews that I do, I never – or I don't often, like, push back. I don't think of it as, like, a debate whenever I have these right. people on. I want to gain their perspective. I want to learn how they feel about certain issues. I'm not having them on for, like, a point-counterpoint uh, so that's sort of the, this perspective I have, I'll have them say what they have to say. And then, you know, the comment section can react to it after that. Uh, but as far as me, like, you know, there's been a times where I've disagreed with, with things that certain guys said. I remember, uh, especially in the Jimmy Conrad discussion, I, I disagreed with some of the stuff that he said, but I, you know, like using five minutes of that interview time to like, be like, well, Jimmy, here's what I feel about that subject. I feel like is, is a bit of a disservice whenever I could be using the time to ask about questions that people like want to hear the answers to, you know? Well, being, mm -hmm. being that he didn't even know your name, um, that was probably a good idea at the time. Like, um, all right, we, Steve, come we, down. We can pin a needle Jimmy a little more cause we've known him for over a decade. So I guess we can do that to him and that's fine. And he'll, he'll like laugh along or whatever. It's not easy though. If you don't know the person, like that well and you're having them on your show and it's the first time you've had them on your show and you're like "Ooh, what can i say how far do i want to test this guy and you do that is a balance you just have to have and you can occasion when you get angry 
<laughs> I'd probably get more Cajun as like the uh, the whiskey goes down a little bit more. It probably comes out a little bit. You more won't after understand that. me when I get angry. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And to your point, Derek, I do consider like uh, I do want to have more of these type of guys on, and I do think that maybe there's not a lot maybe there's not a lot of big wigs out there watching but if they are going to watch they would watch the videos with those guys so i want to show like put that on tape like whenever i ask uh high profile people to be on the show i do send them the alexi lawless interview right like i don't no disrespect to any other guests but like i don't show them like smaller content creator interviews i feel offended i'm offended right now (laughs) shut up brett (laughs) but derek in fairness he hasn't interviewed me yet so that's why he hasn't sent it out it just makes sense yeah we got to figure out the right uh (laughs) the right subject matter to get brett in on so that's gonna happen at some point we'll get brett out of the closet soon um oh i didn't sound right okay um he's married let's Let's have brett on We'll have them on uh, ahead just of the for show, week. Derek. We'll do like a uh, <laughs> we'll do a window prediction roster discussion type of thing. We'll, we'll have them on for that. That sounds Derek, good. Derek, this is how rumors get started, man. Just want you to know. Oh, well, you and Sparkle Duck. All right. Um... <laughs> Bring back the Cajun accent, Bill Tigers. <laughs> Try to get Dempsey and Jermaine Jones. I'd love I to get Dempsey, that. man. Dempsey would be great. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, um, Pete and Tact had Jermaine Jones on. Yeah. And they were like, we were a little disappointed. We thought we were going to get more. We yeah. didn't get much. I've seen a lot of Jermaine Jones interviews over the years. And, you know, I kind of know what he has to say. Uh, He'll, yeah. I mean, it's the basic idea. Jermaine Jones wants a job. He's not going <laughs> to continue to talk about fucking people's puppies and girlfriends yeah. or whatever. Although that Clint Dempsey puppies. would be great. Puppies? No, he didn't go to Europe because of his puppy. <laughs> That's what Jermaine Jones said. Jordan Morris, yeah. That whole thing. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's the Jordan Morris incident. And after that, he like, whoa, shit. You know, I probably shouldn't have said that because now CBS doesn't want me on. And uh, but he's moved on since then. He has a job. He's he's doing all right. So, yeah, there's yeah. there's a lot of interesting people in the U.S. soccer world that I'd like to talk to. I mean, a lot of people that I either grew up reading their content or watching them play soccer or watching them talk about soccer. So. Uh, it's really exciting. I mean, it, but I do take it really seriously. I do. I don't ask people to do interviews unless like I have a topic that I think would be great for them to be on. Like, I'll give you guys some inside information. Like uh, I approached Hercules Gomez about doing an interview uh, and he responded and he was excited about it. But I haven't scheduled it yet because I know that I need to do a lot of research in order to pull that off. Uh, and I, I just haven't really gotten into it. I kind of started it, but I want to be fully prepared for whenever I get into that uh, discussion with Herc. Uh, so there is that element to it as well. So hopefully that Hercules, I'll, I'll give you guys that one. Hercules will be one that I have a discussion with in the future. Yeah, we're kind of on the edge of that one too. We're working on it as well. And I like the fact that guys like Winalda and Hercules and Jimmy are like, okay, fuck it. Let's just do some... Yeah. To her's credit, uh, he sent me like a DM back right away, and he was interested in scheduling. It's been on me. I, I'm the one that needs to uh, follow through on that. But uh, I, I do want to make sure that I do, do do my due diligence ahead of time so that I'm able to present something that's uh, that's worthy of the of the of the U.S. Men's Soccer Men's National Team fan base. Right, and although I mean, the great thing about Herc is you give him an issue, he'll like talk for like twenty minutes. So it's like question, twenty minutes, question, twenty minutes. You got a full show. You're done. <laughs> it's gonna be really yeah. easy. Um, 
But again, I want to thank you got you from for coming on the show again. If you haven't gone to Yank Report, uh, we will provide a link to Sam's show. Go there, watch especially, I mean, all of it, but watch the interviews. Those are my favorite ones mm-hmm. that you do. And um, although, you know, the breakdowns are good too. So, I mean, I mean, like I said, watch all of it. I'm just an interview. I love like, like being introduced to Meg Swanick to me. That was like, wow, I didn't know this person existed. And she is so awesome. And she's so like tuned in to what's going on. Yeah. It's well, so uh, cool. Well, I was going to say, we're going we're gonna to be having her on when she comes back stateside. Yeah. It's so cool being able to scratch the itch of like doing interviews because I've always loved interviewing people and I've always been a big fan of interview shows. Like I, I, I really enjoy it. So being able to um, interview people and uh, do it. (laughs) 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 So being able to interview people and do it uh, on a topic that I absolutely adore, which is us soccer and be able to interview people that I like grew up watching and have like had an impact on my life as a fan has been absolutely tremendous. Yeah. It's awesome. Oh, by the way, the porn site is 11 yanks. (laughs) 11 yanks. That's the porn site. All right. Thank you for all of you for hanging out tonight and providing us questions and uh, comments. We appreciate that. Sam's going to be back. We'll be back uh, together. There'll be some sort of rotation going on here. Anyhow, again, thank you for showing up. Make sure you like, subscribe, share it with your grandmother, and we will see you next time. Cheers.